Welcome to On Course, the teaching ministry of Pastor Hart Ramsey, where we offer simple biblical insight into some of life's most pressing issues. What if I told you that a lot of the pain and difficulty and adversity you're experiencing is simply God aligning your now so you can be prepared for your tomorrow? Prepare for the next few minutes to be encouraged, enlightened, and inspired. Let's join Pastor Ramsey and get On Course. We're still dealing with this faith 101, and maybe we're going to make some headway today, and maybe our eyes are going to be open. The Bible simply reads, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2 goes on to say, for by it the ancients or the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we come to understand that the worlds were framed by words that God spoke so that things which are seen now were made of things that used to be invisible. May the Lord have a blessing to the reading of his word. Let's be seated in the presence of the Lord. He said, Pastor, what gives you the right to change those words? Well, I was taught years ago that when, once you become a doctor in theology that you have license of definition. And since I've been studying the Greek of this for so long, I figure I might as well share some of my, my learnedness with you. The things that we see now came out of things that used to be invisible. Faith has the ability to create understanding within us. There's things that you can't apprehend that faith causes you to know. Faith is to the realm of the spirit what your eyes are to the natural realm. And the Bible says it is substance and it is evidence. What I want to do today is to quickly rush through this lesson in hopes that we can get to the part of the lesson that deals with meditation. We, we start out by saying several things, but I want to pick up from here today. We said that there's steps to trusting God. Faith 101 is dealing with the basics of what you need to know about living by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And if the just person, if the person who's fitted for the kingdom of God chooses any other way to live, the Bible says he's going he's gonna to come to the point where he's going to lose his, his way, he's going to draw back, and he's going to run from the pressure because the Bible says that it's through the affliction, through tribulation, that we enter the lifestyle where God is king. It literally says it's through tribulation we enter the kingdom of God. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver us from them all. The Bible tells us that we're going to go through something. There are things that you're experiencing now, and the only reason you're going through this hardship is because you chose to love God. You chose to respond to the love of God. You, you chose to go in a direction that God wants you to go. You, you chose not to give up. Other people gave up, but you chose to stay the journey. And there's pain. It, it comes with a certain amount of pain. But it doesn't last always. What you have to do is you have to outlast it. You have to endure it. But you have to do it by faith. You have to do it by faith. So you must understand faith. It's the first thing, the first principle lesson that we learn after we repent. The Bible says the, the uh, principles of the doctrines of Christ is first repentance from dead works and then faith towards God. One of the big issues that we have in the body of Christ as it relates to faith is the issue of believing. Uh, many of us, either number one, we come to the body of Christ, we come to Christ, with, uh, we come with inferior information, we learned our gospel or our, our theology on the streets. And because of that, we, 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 know, we say things about God that simply is not true. We believe that God is a monster, we believe that he's this eternal judge that has no compassion. We believe that everything that happens in the earth that we can't explain is an act of God. And then those, those of us who were not fortunate enough to not be raised in church. I didn't slip. I, no, I meant to say that. Because you didn't get a chance to be messed up 
the ones who not raised in church, but the ones who are raised in church, you have been around church long enough to disrespect the man of God, disrespect the move of God, disrespect the hand of God, disrespect the family of God, because you've seen all kinds of things behind the scene if you're raised in church. The problem is you have a whole different set of unbelief. Your unbelief comes to you by way of erroneous doctrine. And so you struggle with believing the things of God because you tried before and it didn't work. You're saying that you, you did your part, but God didn't do his part. I believe, but it didn't happen. I'm here to tell you that most of the things that you think you believe, but that didn't happen, your believing was not based on scripture. Years ago, Dr. K, uh, Frederick K.C. Price wrote a book called Faith, Foolishness, and Presumption. He taught, he taught what faith was, and everyone knows what it is to be foolish. But what we were uh, taken aback with was his definition of presumption. David prayed. He said, let not thy servant be guilty of presumptuous sin. A presumptuous sin is a sin that you commit when you do something in faith, quote unquote, that God didn't tell you to do. And so the children of Israel at, at the threshold of promise at Kadesh Barnea are told, go and take, up the, t- take this land at once. And they decide not to. They wept all night. And then the next morning when they cried enough, they said, now let's go do it. And God says, don't go. I'm not with you. But they, they went anyway. They presumed to go anyway, and they were slaughtered. The issue became that they, they thought that they could take the promise of God, disbelieve it, and then move on their own heart or their own supposition, and God would bless it. The truth is, it's presumption when you do something in faith and have no word for it. So faith begins with the will of God. And knows. As a matter of fact, can I do this? I, I, you know, I was at Safe Harbor this morning, and, and we protect our sacred cows. Sacred cows. You know what a sacred cow is? A sacred cow is something that you believe that you have no scriptural basis for. It becomes your tradition, your principle, your, your monument to faith. And God doesn't need you building monuments to him. You say, Pastor, I believe God and God didn't do it. So let's examine your belief. You said, we touched and agreed and nothing happened. Well, my friend, nothing happened because, ready for this? Wait for it. There is no promise in scripture. There's no such thing as scripture as touching and agreeing. You should see the aghast look on your face. You look like someone just punched you in the gut. There is no doctrine in scripture that talks about points of contact or touching and agreeing. Now, how many of you are right now sufficiently freaked out because you can't believe what I just said? How many of you know where I'm going with this? And you said, Pastor, I know exactly. How many of you have no clue what's going on right now? Good. There is a thing, there's a doctrine in Scripture that people say, we touch and agree. You know? And out of that erroneous doctrine comes a point of contact doctrine, where we got to touch something, and all kinds of stuff comes out of that. But I'm here to tell you that the point I'm going to prove is that many times what your faith is in is in your tradition and not in the Word of God. And faith begins where the will of God is known, and the will of God is only found in the word of God. Now, for those of you who say, well, Pastor, wait a minute, wait a minute, you mess with some stuff I believe. If I prove it to you in scripture, will you believe me? Huh? Good. Turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. When you find it in the King James Version, we're going to read it out loud. Because what we have to do first, remember now, we said on last week that the Word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, for uh, correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so what we said doctrine was, was the established order of God. We said re- reproof was the dismantling of erroneous information from my belief system. Correction is the assimilation of truth into my belief system. And uh, uh, this uh, uh, 
a plan of action or, or this um, righteousness is a plan of action to live out the truth I just learned. Now, this instruction in righteousness. What you must know is that you can't just go around and arbitrarily grab what someone else said. You got to get in the word for yourself and know that what you're saying is true. And so I've picked out this particular sacred cow because we're about to have steak. How do you like yours? Don't kill my cow. Oh, he gonna die today. He gonna die. So give it up. He gonna die. My question is, how do you like your meat? Like my, well done? Anybody well done? Yeah, we're going to be well done. We're about to put him on the grill. Because I want to show you there's no doctrine in Scripture about touching and agreeing. Now, lift up your voices with me and read 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Ready? Read. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Now, the reason we read that Scripture is for that word touching. Now it's touching things offered to idols. In the Greek, this word touching, which is the same word in Matthew 18 that they get the doctrine of touching and agreeing from, this word touching means concerning, regarding, about. Watch. Now as regarding things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Now as concerning things offered. Now about things. Makes sense, doesn't it? Now. I'm going to ask the people back in the media booth to pick any translation and just start going through all the translations. Let's see what it says. The question keeps coming up regarding. Any other translation? Now regarding your question about food. Any other translation? Just keep going. Now about food or next one, if you have another one, that's it. King James, now touching. Okay. Have you noticed that no one else ever says the word touching? Because it's an old English word, it's Elizabethan, okay? Now imagine now people in ignorance, not with a wrong heart, in ignorance develop an entire doctrine around touching and agreeing. Because the scripture says that if, you, if we agree as touching anything, when it's really saying is we, if we agree as regarding, concerning, or we agree about. So the emphasis is not on touching, it's on agreeing. You see what we've done? God is not obligated to participate in our ignorance if we don't take the time to hear and understand what he's saying. That's why he gave the gift of the teacher. And the the gift of the teacher is not a new gift. It was in the body of Christ from the beginning of the church. They've always known this. But we built an entire doctrine around touching and agreeing. And out of that erroneous doctrine comes a point of contact. We need a point of contact. Well, Pastor, what about the handkerchief? Is that not a point of contact? No. The Bible says special miracles were wrought by the hand of Paul, and Paul actually laid hands on a handkerchief. It wasn't a point of contact. It was a special miracle. And God is only obligated to your faith, not your presumption. You can't presume to do things. You can't make stuff up. And what your mind is accustomed to believing is that if I can make this up and make it a doctrine, then I can make anything up, and you think God is in it. He's not. Let me show you how, what it, I was in college, I was in college and we were, we were in a, a very extensive and deep series of lessons dealing with church history and the professor was very, very, um, he was very good at what he was doing. He introduced us to a terminology or to a thing called papal infallacy. 
How many of you have ever heard of papal infallacy? Put your hand up. How many of you have never heard of papal infallacy? Okay, it's interesting. Don't quote me about which meeting it was in, but they had three meetings that stand, stand out. It's one of the three. Either in the Council of Trent, Vatican I or Vatican II, the Catholic Church decides that they, they have these meetings where they discuss the state of the church, and they decide that they, they come up with this doctrine that the word of the Pope is equal to and has the same weight as the word of God. So that anything the Pope says, like the doctrine, for example, or, or that they deal with um, the Immaculate Conception, which states not that, not that um, Mary is God, but that Mary was born without original sin, saying that Mary's mother was a virgin too. That's what, that's what that means, the Immaculate Conception, that Mary's mother was a virgin too. And they start saying these things, and once the Pope said it, it becomes law. They built these, they, they came up with concepts like purgatory. Don't worry, if you don't die, when you, if you don't die right, you can go to purgatory, which is a waiting place, and your folk could pay money to the church, and we could pray you out of purgatory. And people were putting their faith in these erroneous doctrines, and, and watch this now, and the church, now you say, oh, I can't believe they did that, but that's what we're doing with this doctrine of touching and agreeing. It's the same thing. We've got to come to the place where we know what the Word of God says, and if we know what the Word of God says, then we'll be able to properly believe. Everybody say the word believe. 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 That's the issue in the body of Christ. And here I go again. This morning I went to Montgomery, and I said to them, we're going to talk about meditation on how to get the Word into your belief system, and I couldn't get past this issue of believing because we don't know what it is to believe. Stay tuned for more of today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. Imagine being filled with a peace so deep that the world around you can't touch it. Pastor Hart Ramsey is on a mission to help believers understand what it means to have a healthy, prayer-based relationship with God. He's doing that through his brand new book titled Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer. Prayer at first was a struggle because, you know, it, it really takes faith to pray. You have to, you have to trust that God is like a person, he's a real person, and that he's the one that invented the concept of prayer. In this book, you'll learn how to ensure your relationship with God is based on a new and improved covenant, which dangerous prayer habits to avoid, and what to do when prayer doesn't yield the answers you want. It's time to trust God enough to make your prayer life truly about Him. Yes. Pick up your copy of Seeking Answers, Finding Rest Through Prayer from Hart Ramsey, available now at Amazon, iTunes, and wherever books are sold. Pick up the new release from Stellar Award nominees Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, featuring the lead single, It Is So. Pick up the chart-topping release from Hart Ramsey and the NCC Family Choir titled True Story, in stores now and available at all digital outlets. Now let's get back to today's teaching with Pastor Hart Ramsey. I told you last week that when the Bible speaks of believing or speaks of the, of the renewing of your mind, it deals with the entire renovation or, or reforming of your mental complex. Your mental complex, when I say mental complex and I, I say belief system, it's the same thing. I call it mental complex because your mental state is a complex thing. 
but it's a system of believing. I told you that you believe what you believe, you do what you do based on values. You value the thing, that's why you do it. I don't care how ugly it is, I don't care how embarrassing it is, you do it because you value it. We are, we are programmed by God, we were born with this innate ability or this innate desire to go after things we value. If you wanna know what you value, check your pursuit because you only pursue what you desire and you only desire what you value. Anybody here, there's no one sitting here today saying, you know, I, I desire to be hung by the neck until I die. No, we don't value that. You got it? No, we don't value that. You, we only go after things. Why am I doing the things I'm doing? Because you value it. To change it, with the word of God has to get into your value system, into your belief system, change the value, change the habit, you got it? And release you to a new course of life. So by way of review, here's what we said last week. My conscious mind makes decisions over and over again. As my conscious mind makes these decisions, my subconscious mind is paying attention, saying, hmm, we've made that decision 10 times in a row. The subconscious mind is my autopilot. It's designed to take over the things I'm, I'm using energy for. We can't use, listen, we're only given sufficient mental energy for a day. You could tell when you've run out of your mental energy for a day. You ever get to the place where your mind gets tired? Where you can't think no more? You, they don't let you off work, you're still at work, but your mind stopped working? Might as well send me home. If you're in the military, I used to tell them all the time, hey, it don't make no sense to have me here. I... In, in the music industry, we call it diminishing returns. When I listen to a song over and over again, and, and it becomes a wall, to, my ears just close up. I, I, let's stop listening, I can't hear anymore. I'm listening so much, I'm listening into it now, not to it. Diminishing returns. Well, you, you've been given, the Bible says, sufficient to, to each day is the evil thereof. You have been given enough mental prowess to handle that day. So what your subconscious mind is designed to do is to make sure you don't overextend the energy by making decisions that are automatically what you're going to choose anyway. So it monitors your decisions. It snatches the decision you're making over and over again. It takes the habit from it, keeps the habit, and invests or deposits the value in your conscience. I explained that to you last week, Sunday and Wednesday. Let's go a step further. So what happens now, you're being driven by a value. And whenever you encounter this situation, you are programmed. Now, here's the thing I didn't tell you last week that you got to get. But your subconscious mind is responsible for feelings also. Because what he, what he noticed when he was taking in the information, he noticed that when you made a certain decision, you felt a certain way. So he's not just recording the decision you make, he's recording how it makes you feel. It happens in children. We go into grandmama's house. Yay, the kids get excited, what happened? They just heard a decision that you made and it triggered them. So now, watch this now, there's an association now with, it's called emotional linkage. I'm connected and the subconscious mind takes over. That's why when children start acting differently, people say, hmm, used to like to go to grandmama's house, don't like to go there anymore, what happened? Something had to have happened. Okay? Now, your values are driving you. Subconscious mind is, is causing you to do things based on something you chose, so it creates this belief. To change that, we got to change the belief. Sir, you chase women because for whatever reason, you believe it's for your good. Regardless of what the Bible says, that's what you 
believe. You got it? Ma'am, you steal because you believe that there's some value in that for you. There's some good in it for you. Regardless of what the law says, you do it. You can't just say, well, I won't do it anymore. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't it doesn't, doesn't work like that. You can't just say I'm not going to do it anymore. And again, I want to emphasize, because you were incarcerated and were forced to change your ways and not your values, it doesn't mean you changed. I changed my ways, but I never worked on my values. After 10 years of incarceration, they let me out. And watch this now. My subconscious mind did not, you say, well, Pastor, well, if I didn't change, how come I didn't do the thing I, I did in jail? No opportunity. But when you take you and reset you back into the environment, your subconscious mind will trigger the, the value, will trigger the subconscious mind again. And you go, wait a minute. I remember this. And now you're using your energy to restrain it. But after a while, you know what's going to happen? You, you, you haven't made a decision. No, this, this is not good for me. You, you, you didn't go, I'm not going to do that because it's no, 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 I don't even believe in that anymore. You didn't do that. So eventually, after a while, what, watch what happens. You can't find a job because now you're felon. Everybody, when, when you, when you, you want to be honest, you admit you've been to jail, folk look at you different. You working hard. You, you used to sell dope, make a thousand a day. Now you can't make a thousand a month. And when all that comes crashing on your belief system, the value of making a quick buck begins to trigger that autopilot again. Next thing you know, you tell yourself, I'm gonna just do this one deal, just this one deal. You do the deal, you make the quick money, you go, I'll never do it again. The money runs out, just this next time. Next thing you know, you're back in the game. Yeah. It's the way you are programmed. I'm not telling you anything, I don't know your business. I don't know you. What I do know is this. Amen. Did I get your attention? Yeah. Good, now let me show you this. In the book of Hebrew, the Bible talks about believing. The Bible speaks of faith. So I want, to, I want to give you this again in hopes of changing your belief system. Okay? The way it's supposed to work, Romans 10 and 17 says, So then faith cometh by hearing. Come on, help me out real loud. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by now, Psalm 119, verse 49, begins now to expose to us how God goes about changing our belief system. God can love us, but if we don't believe right, man, I think it'll mess us up. Watch this. I'm going to show you something. Psalm 119, verse 49. Put it up there for me quickly, real quick. Real quick. Everybody lift your voice. Don't read Zane. That's, that's not important. Just start from the word remember. Let's read together. Ready? Read. Remember the word. Uh-huh. Emphasize the word cause. Watch this now. God himself said, I know how I built you. David said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and that I know right well. Satan says, I know exactly how they operate because I was with God when he made them. And I know how God creates. I can't do it because I'm not in his class, but I know how he creates. So what about I manipulate they were made in the image of God. Let me manipulate their creativity and use it for my glory. He said, what I know about God is this. He sees it first. He speaks it next, and it comes to pass. 
Say this, I've seen him do it too many times. He, he will see it in, on the inside of him. He will speak a word out. And then even if he has to put his hand to something, the word's already done. He's just forming what he saw and spoke. And he backs away from, and he says, now live. And it lives. So in the scripture he says, David is praying, remember the word that you spoke unto your servant upon which you caused me to hope. That's the beginning of, of, of my belief system being changed. The word hope deals with expectation. Everybody say the word expectation. Come on, say expectation. The thing I expect to happen. So what happens now, the word of God creates an expectation in me. And once that expect, watch this now, it's important. Because remember, you are programmed to function by images. The only purpose of words is for images. Remember last week, I don't know if you were here, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blurred, I was teaching in the pastor's conference, but I described an animal. You remember that? Let's, let's make another one. Let's make another one. Let's make a tiger. He looks like Tony the Tiger, but he has auburn stripes. Got this? He is sitting in a Rolls Royce with a chauffeur's hat on. You got it? And I always like to do this because I'm from the street and grills. <laughs> How many of you saw that? The only purpose of words is to create pictures. What Satan knows about pornography is this. The Greek word porno simply means whoredom or that which is illicit as it pertains to sexuality. Graphic or graphy is from the word graph, which means to illustrate or to write or to depict. And so what you have is the depiction of whoredom and the, the only purpose that you say, oh, I don't look at pornography. Listen, you don't have to go on some website or buy some magazine. It's in the advertising. It's on our billboards. You just don't know what you're looking at. That's right. Amen. You got it? But how much, feel, how much, how much feces does, does it take on a sandwich? in your peanut butter before you call it a feces and jelly sandwich. You'll never eat peanut butter again. No, I'm kidding. Watch this. You see what I'm saying? What he knows is, here's what he knows. As long as he can keep the image before you, if you see it, you can be it. The problem when you come to churches is, is that, you, is that you, you hear the word, but you, you do not allow it to create a picture on the inside of you. And would, let, for example, I'm go back to your sacred cow. You just saw that touching the green was right. I just proved to you in, in short order that there's no such doctrine in the Bible. It is a doctrine of agreement, not a doctrine of touching. Now, if you want to start to talk about touching, we got to go to the doctrine of laying on of hands. That's a whole different thing. But it has nothing to do with agreement. If I'm anointed and I lay hands on you, it has nothing to do with whether you agree or not. Paul had to tell Timothy, Paul told Timothy, he says, he said, don't, don't stifle your gift, stir up the gift that, they, that came in you when they laid hands on you. He didn't even know something came on him that Paul told him. How many of you following this? Our problem is when we're hearing the word, even if we do see a picture on Sunday morning, we walk away, and as the Bible says in James chapter 1, we're not doers of the word because we forget what we saw. 
You forget what image, what, what man of man you are. You forgot what you saw. And you say, well, we, how, what is, how does that work? You know, in the book of James, when I, when I was in Pentecostal church, the Pentecostal church made everything a judgment. Don't, now, don't get mad if you're Pentecostal. I'm Pentecostal too. But they were telling you, you know, he look in the, in the word of God, he see that he's a devil. And he walk away forgetting he's a devil so you think he's a saint. When I studied the word, I found the exact opposite. I come to the word of God thinking I'm a devil. And when I look in there, if I'm born again, because the Bible was not written to sinners. The Bible was written to the people of God. So when you look at it, the Bible tells you what man of man you are. You are a God man. God has recreated you in Jesus Christ. You have life. You have strength. You have power. You have anointing on your life. And you walk away, forget that, and become something else. That's what he's talking about. You don't hold on to the image. I don't know I'm preaching better than you let know. So, verse 81 of Psalm 19 reinforces what we read in Psalm 119, verse 49. It says this. It says, my soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in your word. I hope in your word. My, my soul faints for your salvation. Lord, when are you coming to rescue me? I, I, he said, I'm getting tired of waiting, but watch this. He said, but I retain the image that I got from your word. The picture that you painted for me, God, I see it still. And the Bible says in the book of Romans that if I could still see the picture that God painted in my heart when he caused me to hope, if I could still see that picture, I will become anointed to wait. We hope you've enjoyed today's teaching courtesy of On Course with Heart Ramsey. We invite you to join the NCC family for our weekly services in Dothan and Montgomery, Alabama and Atlanta, Georgia. For service times and locations, visit our website, nccfamily.org. Again, nccfamily.org. We invite you to follow Pastor Hart Ramsey on social media, on Twitter at Hart Ramsey, on Facebook at Hart Ramsey Media, and on Instagram at Hart Ramsey. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to dive into God's Word as we get on course with Hart Ramsey.